everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of 99 Potions, the premier RPG podcast from fanbyte.com. I am one of your hosts, editor-at-large for fanbyte.com, John Warren, and with me are my two RPG pals that are with me every single week, and I'm so happy to be able to hang out with them again. Uh, one is managing editor, Stephen Strom. Hello, Stephen. Hi, John. It's good to be back. <laughs> Yes, it is. And also with <laughs> us is featured contributor, Natalie Flores. Hi, it's good to be back. It's going to be any- same it's thing be, Steven did. It's good yeah. to be anywhere. You know what I mean? It's good to be anywhere. You know what it's I mean? Good to, it's, it's good to be alive. It's good to be- Is it? Continue to tick. Good well, to exist. I guess yeah. it's good to exist. Listen, existence is um, our eternal fight against the forces of evil. And like, yeah. like real life, RPGs often put us in the seat of uh, good fighting against evil. I don't know where I'm going with this. Here's the point. This afternoon, Sony is uh, revealing the PlayStation 5 uh, price and release date, we believe. What what do we do? Do we give any credence to the uh, Final Fantasy 16 rumors? I know we've heard some, but I they seem credible to me, especially with the uh, game director who like tweeted really excitingly about the the showcase and then immediately deleted it, which is like way <laughs> way way more suspect than like just oh God, keeping that it happened. up. Right. I, I saw that uh, Naoki Yoshida, Final Fantasy 14's director, like his right hand man and the uh-huh. community manager at uh, Japan. Did tweet out like, oh, you should watch this. But hey, I did not see a game director. Who said that? It was, uh, I have it in my notes. One second. I, I mentioned oh it on news a couple That's days so ago. That's so funny. But it was, uh, uh, someone else talk. Someone else say something. Well, I mean, one thing I could say about maybe not Final Fantasy 16, which I think is definitely something that I'm sure is it exciting because it has a big new number on it and stuff like that. But we did get emails a few days ago. I think most of us did. In fact, even though only a few of us actively write about and talk about Final Fantasy 14 a lot, I guess, John, uh, the ballad of Fedona Tep uh, has. <laughs> I rung. think Fedona Tep has really renewed interest in this game. You know right, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't feel like it got a lot of like uh, play. Like, it's kind of under the radar, this Final right. Fantasy 14 game. People were kind of like, oh, it's online. I don't know. So I don't think a lot of people played it. But then when people started hearing about Fedona, tap they're like we gotta have more of this video game so yeah right. that's that's yeah. really i think single-handedly would change the the tide here and now that that happened um square enix pr and i don't this was an embargoed or anything like that but there's because there was no information in it but it was basically just every once in a while uh square enix pr will email us to uh ask us uh, usually right before an expansion launches which i'm assuming we're not going to be getting a new expansion for final fantasy 14 anytime soon but usually no. before an expansion launches they will email us and say like hey do you need anything to get you ready for the new game that's not even exclusive to final fantasy 14 that's right. a very common thing with yeah. uh online games and uh i don't know anything new coming to final fantasy 14 uh th- nothing that is supposed to be new that is announced right now that is going to be like a major thing and right. yet we got an email just a couple days ago from square enix basically saying uh <laughs> hey uh do you need any help getting caught up we're just kind of checking in to see if yeah. you're in a good position to be caught up with the main game and the content it's, just in case you know it's it's basically an email that says hey y'all still care about final fantasy just as like yeah. a thing y'all y'all like into that <laughs> 
Y'all need like, boosts. Yes. Y'all need in-game currency. Y'all yeah, need something to yeah. juice you forward. Which, by the time people are hearing this episode, might we might already know what that is because maybe the uh, Sony press conference has already maybe. gone up and sh- talked about that. So I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they went ahead and announced like uh, you know just immediate like next-gen compatibility for sure. fourteen. It's like oh like. If you buy Final Fantasy 14 at a $60 price for PS5, you basically get all the expansions. Like, I would be Mm. shocked if that wasn't kind of part of their package deal. That's a big, like, that's a big launch game incentive, I would say, to say, like, hey, you you can get locked Uh, into (laughs) a game that is... It, it is an MMO, but I swear, like, I'm a big uh, controller user. It is not that difficult to play with a controller. I, I um, prefer, I play it on PC. I still prefer to play yeah, with a controller. Yeah. So I'm trying to switch to controller just because of, like, getting, like, sort of early signs of carpal tunnel these days. So I'm mm, thinking, mm, sure. I should switch to controller because it's so much easier to play with a controller than on keyboard if yeah. you're having those issues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also got the email, but as with the primary, I would say, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen writers in the industry right now, <laughs> the person who sent the email DMs me immediately after and was like, uh, that was just procedure. I know you're caught up. Yeah, right, right, right. So please don't, I, please don't take this as an insult, Natalie. I know. I you, know you know everything. Don't worry. Just to, right. just dismiss that email. And I was like, okay. We, we've actually tracked your account, and you've discovered more about this game than literally anyone else on the planet. So it's, it's so um, weird because I've only been playing it for a little more than a year. It's so yeah. funny. But yeah. but that's but that's like that's such a that's so funny though because like um uh, LB Hunters, our, our wrestling producer. I just love watching people um, like latch on to a thing and like LB knows more about professional wrestling now than I do. And I've been following it for 30 years and And LB LB got into it like 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 two years ago. ago. And so like, I just love this. Like uh, I just love like seeing like Twitter is a hell is hell. Twitter is hell. (laughs) But like it it is is really bad, but it has provided me a really fun window into like, watching people pick up a thing and then just like inundating their lives with it. Like yeah. I, Absolutely. I think it is really satisfying when you can tell that they're having a really, a, a really good time doing it. So yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I know you haven't been playing it for long, but you are an expert at this point. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, Thank it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, Sometimes things click with you to that extent, you know, and that's just kind of really fun to see. I did not expect, like, I specifically would tell my friends for months, I'm never playing that game (laughs) 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 because I am a control freak. And I was like, if I play that, I will lose control of my life. And I really, really don't need that considering I'm still in school. But I mean, it, it works out. The game is so easy to play and it's what you make of it. And I don't feel pressured to keep, but like right now I, like I asked uh, the PR person for a code for whenever I feel like playing again, which is probably once I graduate, but it's like, I don't feel the pressure to be there right now. And right. But when I am in the game, it's so fun and it's such a good time. And there's so much to love about that game. So yeah. uh, this has been a Final Fantasy 14 stand conversation. Sorry. Um, no, we were okay. talking about the PlayStation. I, and, and while, while we while we were doing that, I did uh, remember that it's uh, Shinji Hashimoto, who is a producer for Final Fantasy 15. Uh, and the executive producer of a lot of things, including the FF7 remake, who Damn. tweeted really oh. excitedly about the showcase and then he deleted immediately it? deleted it which, like, 
it's like you know you can't you just can't keep things from the internet you just can't so Incredible. the fact that the fact that the dude deleted it immediately um and he was it doesn't he, help mm. It doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. And he's also uh, very inundated in the business in the business division of Square Enix. So like, it's just someone who knows a lot about the project roadmap of like all of their projects. So like, it would right. at least indicate it's some movement, I, I guess, with with uh, Square Enix. I mean, it would be super smart not to get into console wars territory because I really don't want to do that. But like, it really would be smart for ps5 to like get ahead of some of these like big 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 publishers like i you know i doubt it'll be exclusive in any, in any regard but at least having these announcements first they associate with square enix and and that might be that might be a good strategy so i, I, I mean in the case of 14 if we're talking about like cross-gen compatibility upgrade path type stuff like right. there literally is no xbox version yeah. of that game yeah. to yeah. you exactly. know cross-gen so yeah. you know um, yeah, I, by, I don't know. By default, it kind of is an exclusive, even though it's probably it's. I don't think there was like a business deal that was done. I think that was just more of an interest level thing. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. Just because um, Xbox has never done well in Japan, and Final Fantasy has always been like a PlayStation sort of series. Like that's just well, natural association, I would say. Like uh, at least like a lot of the mainline entries just like PlayStation, PlayStation I do have 2. a deep association with PlayStation and Square. I yeah, to 100%. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like I I rem I wasn't following games very hard back then, certainly not online because it was just like the internet was still pretty nascent and I was very young, but I do remember there being especially in retrospect conversations around like I can't believe Square Enix would betray Nintendo like Nintendo, this and switch over right. from <laughs> Final Fantasy 6. Uh, all yeah. the old Final Fantasy games were were Nintendo games and now they're yeah. making Final Fantasy 7 and it's exclusive to this PlayStation? What sure. the fuck? Yeah. And Final yeah. Fantasy 7 is the game that got most people at least totally. back then into it, Final it Fantasy really VI changed was... that entire perception for a, a, like yeah. a whole generation. So absolutely. Um, yeah. I, something I did not mention about Shinji Hashimoto, not to get anyone excited because I really, I need everyone to just like chill when I say this, uh, he <laughs> did produce front mission and front mission involved. Uh -huh. So, uh -huh. and he's and he's quote really into mechs. So like, you know, you know, yeah know. no 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 nobody listening to this nobody gets if you're hearing this before you've watched don't get the excited <laughs> don't get excited don't you get your hopes up uh because you'll just have your dreams crushed <laughs> is yeah. how the, any front mission fan should feel remember the last front mission game that they made was that it was a front mission spinoff right that left alive game oh yeah that yeah, was a front yeah, mission yeah, yeah thing was. right okay uh and he and he also produced that Oh, he great. Produce that. Yep. <laughs> a flawless so, track record. So, yeah, a little bit. Of, I would say a little bit of a mixed bag. He also produced The Bouncer, which is one of my favorite. Um, oh. my One of my favorite games that I don't think is actually very good, but I love it. It's, yeah. it's it was like a beat em up and it was a very early PS2 game. And the, fir um, the first appearance of uh, Sora from Kingdom yeah. Hearts. <laughs> Basically, every character looked like uh, the child of Zell and Sora. And it was just <laughs> like. Like a bad combo. Like, yeah, I, I just, I love that. I love that the character designer of this game was just like, make everything look, just put this through my Zell filter, will you? Yeah. I love Zell Dinks. <laughs> it He's is great. <laughs> it is the sort of like, it is the Bigfoot, it is the missing link between the PlayStation 1 era uh, Final Fantasy stuff and the uh, Kingdom Hearts 
art style that was developed right. thereafter. It really is that for people who haven't gone back and watched that game or ever played it. Like God. I remember seeing box art for that game in uh, Premiere Video, the rental store that I always went to as a kid. I remember seeing it over and over again and just think, looking at it, it's like, oh, okay, this is some kind of beat em up. Uh, it wasn't until years later, until I think this year, that I actually watched a full playthrough of that game, and it is incredible how much that is just fucking. Uh, that really is just the like the it's, the half step to Kingdom it's, Hearts land. It's, it's if you looked at character design of Square Enix as an Animorphs book, the the bouncer <laughs> is just the middle between Final Fantasy VIII and Kingdom Hearts. You're exactly right. It is just like unbelievable as fucking as fucking Zell dinked and his Jinkos starts transforming into Sora. It was just covered in zippers. Here is the fucking bouncer guy. It's just like, hey, I'm Jim Bouncer. Um, yeah, I what is his real name? Scion Barzad is his is oh the maker oh, well. of the bouncer. Volt anyway. Kruger. Wow, these Volt names Kruger. are wild. Yeah. There's a there's three different playable characters in that game. Uh, not to get off onto a tangent about the bouncer of all fucking games, <laughs> but there's there's three playable characters in that game, and every time you start a level, you get to pick which of the three that you uh, play as. And that game is very short, and yeah, what it is short. basically, you, you basically have to replay the entire game three times as each individual character to get all of the context for what's going on in the story of that world. Because otherwise, yeah. it's just like Steven, I don't know. I really this really set the tone for uh, near automata. I think you know what I mean. Oh my god! You know, yeah, like, like you know, people are like, oh, I love the, that approach. Well, have you played two thousands of the bouncer? <laughs> Let me introduce yeah. you to this concept <laughs> shown first so, by the bouncer. Anyway. If, we're, if we're to bring it back to the evolutionary like fucking analogy it's like how you know <laughs> crocodiles and alligators have a common ancestor or whatever but that at some point they split down the line or whatever <laughs> whatever you want to fucking use it's yeah. like down one path we got kingdom hearts and down the other path we got drakengard <laughs> those are right. the two yeah that's pretty much it yeah logical conclusions yeah. oh my god going back uh, to anyway. the shinji hashimoto tweet i yeah i um, i don't know if i should be excited like because I've just been burned so many times by watching Hideki Kamiya just go to the Game Awards and me being like, oh my god, it's going to be Bayonetta 3. <laughs> <laughs> and it's never been fucking Bayonetta 3 and I'm missing my mother. Like, where is she? So where I feel like... <laughs> mom, mom, where are you? You're in the grocery mom. store. Mom. <laughs> That's 3 me looking for Bayonetta. I, my Instagram name is Bayonatalie, okay? Like, I am... She is my mom. Wow. And okay. it's just like... I've been burned so many times, just so many years in a row that I'm just kind of like, well, if it happens, it happens. Or like game directors tweeting and stuff. Like part of me gets excited and part of me is like Bayonetta trauma. So I'm just like Bayonetta <laughs> trauma. So I'm just like, oh gosh, I'm just going to, just not going to get my hopes up. But yeah. um, there have been a lot of rumors circling about just... Final Fantasy 16. And a few months ago, I did write a news post on sort of like, leaked concept art of Final yeah. Fantasy 16 and just sort of general rumor swirling. It's about that time that they announce it. It, it. It's very obviously been in the works for a good while, even though I do hear its development has been uh, turbulent. So, weird for a Final Fantasy <laughs> game. Weird for Square <laughs> Enix. Square Enix having a weird dev yeah. cycle? I can't believe it. 
straight up, when was the last time they inter? I mean, it was probably near Automata, right? That they internally developed a game that didn't have just a fucking like didn't take six million years to come out, like Final Fantasy. No, like Kingdom Hearts three. I guess Final mm. Fantasy fifteen as well. Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy fifteen shifted its entire identity yeah. over a decade. I forgot. To I forgot Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah. I forgot that that was Final Fantasy versus thirteen originally. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Um, and then 14 obviously was a debacle that had to get rebuilt from the ground up. And right. yeah, I mean, like probably if we're talking actual Final Fantasy games, like the probably the, the 13 franchise sub franchise, whatever you want to call it, is at least from the perspective of like them just putting out a product, you know, it, it's a divisive trilogy, I know, but they right. put out a game and it, you know shipped and in, shipped. A, in a fairly reasonable amount of time it sure. didn't take 500 years to get it out the door after announcing right. it but i've no. i've waited at, with my ripe young age yet i have still waited for like i did that entire versus 15 wait i did the entire kingdom hearts mm-hmm. three way just from the moment that they were announced because i got into final fantasy when Versus was announced, like around that time, I got around, yeah. I, I got into it around the time that 13 came out. And that's around the time that Versus was, because they were supposed to be part of the Fabula Nova Crystallis universe, blah, blah, blah. So I've I've done those weights. And I mean, I can only take so much as a 23 year old. I'm, right. I'm going through like <laughs> climate change, destroying the world to like economic recessions. Three Square Enix weights that have been so long. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Like, there's always so much Abyss can take. And so I just... Natalie has spent most of her adult life standing by the customer service counter while someone (laughs) calls over. It's like, is Final Fantasy XV in the store? Is Final Fantasy XV? We have a young girl here looking for her mom. Uh, Barring that, we'll take Final Fantasy Please. And Bayonetta 3 too, just like, uh, and Final Fantasy Please. 15 came out and it was bad. And Kingdom Hearts 3 came out and it was bad. So Final I'm Fantasy just- 15 is like the friend of your mom that's like, uh, you know, your mom's busy. I'm going to, I'm going to like, you know, I'm, I, I, here, I've got you. And it's like, no, 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 I don't like you. Yeah. My mom talks shit about you all the time. Stop yeah. that. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. yeah. I, I, I mean, listen, we could talk all day about Square Enix's like weird, uh, dev cycles. I, I will say, like, I know it was like a very public debacle, but like the rebuilding of Final Fantasy 14 into something that is just universally beloved, you would think they would maybe draw more lessons from that development cycle, you know, just kind of like looking at how that actually unfolded and worked and and apply it to the rest of their teams but it doesn't really seem like they've done a lot doesn't seem like no it seems like they kind of never learn any lessons uh they kind of don't learn lessons yeah Yeah. um one of the things that i i mean their game so the the mario all-stars pack is coming out this week and that is not an rpg and i won't even pretend that it is (laughs) but uh, my point is like in my mind, in my weird, still like Christmas morning child mind, I, I always have kind of a clock running for game series that I, you know, I know I'll see another one someday. It's like Zelda and a 3D platforming Mario. Like there are always these things in my mind that I just assume we're always a few years away from getting a new one. And there's like a, a comfort and an excitement and that kind of cycle for me. And sure. yeah, with, with a Final Fantasy single player game, I have to say <laughs> that that th- that feeling died wow 
<laughs> and and it's not and it's not that I don't want it. It's just that I just don't think it's coming. I don't think like I think the teams that are making games that fit that vein within Square Enix are missing are are both missing the budgets and also missing the point of what made those games um like really special like sure and and so like um you know like games like Octopath Traveler like I don't think that totally captures the feeling of a uh, like a, a Final Fantasy single player game for me. Totally not. Yeah, no. And, and but but it's like I kind of feel like that they've got teams internally that are there to ship games to like shut us up. The contingent that just wants <laughs> a big Final Fantasy single player game again. But it just doesn't work. But no. at the same time, I've just completely given up that the next Final Fantasy, whether it's 16 or whether it's called something else, I've just given up on the idea that it's going to resemble anything like a a game that I grew up playing. Um, right. I think it'll probably be, you know, some kind of multiplayer. I think it'll, I don't know if it'll be another MMO, but I don't think it's going to be focused on uh, a cast of characters that are pretty defined and a, a, a sweeping narrative. I think like yeah. they leave that to the Dragon Quest team. They leave that to um, other teams and Final Fantasy has just become uh, a, a brand on which they slap onto their most lucrative products. I yeah, think. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm Final Fantasy 15 in particular is such a weird product because by the t- by the end of its life cycle, it became this sort of like weird test bed framework for them to experiment with a bunch of different uh, right. modes and types of gameplay <laughs> and stuff. Where you know. Final Fantasy 15 comes out. It's a huge mess. I like that game, yeah. but it's definitely a mess. It has a lot of cool concepts. It's a mess. But, yeah. But then it's like, and now instead of fixing a lot of the problems with that game, they did eventually get around to that Royal Edition stuff that did r- fix a lot of that stuff. But for right. a long time, their solution was like, and now we're going to fill in a bunch of missing chapters in that story with this like three hour bolt on that has a completely different style of gameplay where episode prompto is like a third person shooter and episode Ignis. It's mostly magic focused. And the gladiola stuff is like, here's this whole parry mechanic. And it's like almost a weird dungeon crawler. None of this ties into the main game itself, but it, it felt like an experimental test, but it felt like uh, we're going to try a bunch of shit. They did that comrades multiplayer mode for 20 yeah. bucks. If you remember that. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like remember that that fucking thing exists that I feel like God. nobody played. Nobody um, played. Nobody yeah. played. No. no. Um, Just thinking about it, this game legitimately makes me sick. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going. I kind of honestly, I kind of like. I don't think I like hate the moment to moment playing of that game, but I I do I do kind of have a visceral like. Ugh. Every time I see Final Fantasy 15, yeah. I really do. It's it, it's such a weird thing because it, it took them fucking 15 years to make, and then also it, you would think that during that time they probably prototyped a ton of different versions of what that game would have looked like, and then they put it out and it still felt like a prototype, and then they added more smaller prototypes on top of it. And so it's yeah. hard to draw a through line to what the next thing in Final Fantasy is going to be because none of those individual ideas feels like a very specific thing that you would look at and say like, ah, this is obviously where they're going to take the, the you know, franchise forward. You could almost maybe look at Final Fantasy VII as like a more logical, the remake that is, as a more logical, ah, they 
took a lot of ideas that they've been building on since going back to Final Fantasy 12 and especially 13. And they continued to just build and build and iterate on those ideas in a very smart way. Whereas yeah. 15 just feels like a complete like branch. It feels like a complete offshoot of anything that they had been doing for the past 20 years. Right. Because <clears throat> they yeah. knew it would sell regardless. Like it was so anticipated just for the curiosity of it. And that really happens to that extent just because that game's development was so unique Storied, for the lack of a better right? world. Yeah. Uh, so they knew it would sell. And I think they had the confidence to try just sort of a bunch of shit. Even if it didn't so. work out, they were like, well, we're going to try to just like throw the darts, at, you know, at the wall and try to figure out what lands just kind of use this because it's going to sell anyway and people are going to be curious about it because for all intents and purposes even though final fantasy 15 is very mixed in reception it it sold very well so it did, it's, yeah. it's like it, it did but it, it also like what vexes me about final fantasy 15 is that it must not have sold well enough well. To, yeah. to support finishing the game Right, because they never mm -hmm. they canceled a lot of that DLC. They canceled basically yeah. the DLC that would put a, a a really 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 hard knot on that whole thing. Right. So it, it's <laughs> they held a press conference to announce that they were canceling the DLC, yeah. which they, is so they're basically fucking like, wild. We're here to announce that we donked this one pretty bad. It's like <laughs> all right, <laughs> so strange. Yeah. Nobody has ever done that before. Like hold an event to announce and you get nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody had also done the whole like multi-million dollar event in the US to promote the announcement of the announcement of the release date. <laughs> oh and then they had to delay it after yeah. the multi-million dollar event. <laughs> That, yeah, that's, that that's trauma. The stuff. That's good Tra stuff. Yep, yeah, yeah, incredible. Going um, back to Final Fantasy 16, I I just can't help but worry that we're going to be seeing a lot of what's been happening with Dragon Age 4, which is an open secret, like just right. games as a service. That game was single player until it was soft rebooted. And now we don't really know what it looks like, but it does have multiplayer elements from what we've been told over the years and what we've gleamed. So I'm, I'm worried that that's going to be a trend in RPGs with really strong stories and universes, just like Final Fantasy and Dragon Age and whatnot, just because like, that's that's not what I gravitate to. I get the appeal of games like that, but I we can also have the single player games. I miss a really good single yeah. player Final Fantasy story. Final Fantasy fifteen doesn't count, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I just I, I can't help but I, I hope it's not the case especially because i feel like with final fantasy 14 legitimately being at its peak right now it has more players than ever shadowbringers has absolutely transformed the game from an mmo rpg with a really good story and characters that was sort of finding its footing still but now it has this really solid core identity to it it has its the universe of the Asians. like everything is so developed in terms of Final Fantasy XIV's identity right now, and I'm sure they're going to really successfully build on that momentum with 6.0. But It's easier than ever to get into, too, because the, the, we're yeah. after the content squish now, too. Yeah, the content squish. Also, like, they're doing a lot of quality of, uh, quality of life changes, like, 
the crafting and the gatherers that has been streamlined as well like they are the free trial they're just making it really easy to get into that game right now and right i really hope that final fantasy 16 doesn't go into multiplayer territory just because i it doesn't make sense to me final fantasy 14 like i said it's at its peak and it's easier to get into more than ever and so yeah it just, just, it just seems like give, give us the other thing give us yeah the other thing. give us like a good single like you, player you, like you let me us. remember what it was like to love a single player final fantasy because yeah. it's like final fantasy sound remake came out and you know i loved that but that's also a little different and that it's a story right. we all already know it's not like they're creating something super new in terms of story here so we haven't had really a new single-player story since the end of 13 and i loved 13 as divisive as it is but it's it's been so long since then like a really good single-player game i mean i know people some people will disagree and they like final fantasy 15 well, but well there's seven remake too i would say seven it's remake good, but also, and also that's like no yeah yeah that's what i meant like seven remake is is really good and i really liked it but it's a story that we really know, we know intimately right. so it's it's been a while since a really new final yeah. fantasy story and 15 whether you like it or not i think it's very fair to acknowledge that that was an incomplete story of uh, the dlc and everything else that came out <laughs> like i played the like og just like before everything else came out like on launch and that was absolutely an incomplete story and an in incomplete yeah. game in a lot of ways so whether you like final fantasy 15 or not i think it's it's just the fact that that story was not finished and that game had such troubled development that i understand why and i understand how they tried to patch it up with a dlc and it was very obvious that what they were trying to do is release dlc to finish a story rather than add on to a finished right. story totally um but yeah i just I, I really miss a good single player final fantasy game i have my multiplayer itch satisfied with 14 and so i yeah. I hope we don't see that games as a service sort of hybrid with a single player RPG happen in Final Fantasy, but that's just we'll a bug. Have to see. That's just a bug that has gone into <laughs> the execs of like it's just really gotten into their head. Uh, yeah. We got to make we ha if we're gonna set these huge budgets budgets for games, we have to hedge our bets and basically keep you on the hook for five years instead of you know one purchase, right? And and then you're out and. You know, CD Projekt Red has problems. I would say their like social media department is their <laughs> most obvious problem. Um, but like at the very least, what they've done is they've confidently said we can set a budget, we can set a sale price, and we can make oceans of cash delivering a single player product to right. people. Yeah, and that like everyone kind of knew that that model was still viable, but there's, I think there have been so many, you know, uh, I, I do remember a, 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 a overheard conversation in GDC between two execs when the, uh, the reboot of uh, Tomb Raider came out, uh, Square Enix yeah. uh, published. Mm -hmm. um, and like, they were talking about the figures that it made. And it was like, you know, obviously not public information. And I just kind of listened to this conversation and the the numbers they were saying that this game was making were you know much higher than what that budget would have been but the expectations were so right. high and that you know that the revenue from that game needed to pay for two other games basically it's just like 
that's such a weird that's such a fucked up idea how to run your business it really it's, truly is it's just a infinite scale nothing nothing is sustained if if it's not scaling at a massive rate then it's not sustainable which right. is which is such a bogus which is such a fucking bonus a bogus thing to say and but it's, it's but not that's how unique it, it, yeah. it wasn't unique to Tomb Raider either. It was no, it wasn't that that said that, that uh, Hitman the the first episodic Hitman that um, IO did for Square Enix was published by Square Enix. Uh, moved on right. to Warner for the second one, and the same exact thing happened. That that game sold very well, but it was basically that was the conversation around that time around that era of Square Enix when they were kind of acquiring IDOS and a bunch of those um, Western properties. Was the the basically the the talk was that. Square Enix was almost like treating them like as if they were a private equity firm where they would dump just exorbitant amounts of money into Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 15. These like these um, what's the word the the term for it? These um, passion projects, um, vanity projects, basically, where we're going to just like there's there's no budget. There is no limit on how much time or money you can spend on this thing. And then what where that ended up getting shifted to that was a conversation at the time. Anyway, I, I don't you know have evidence to back this up. But the conversation around the, you know, a few years ago was, yeah, because what they do is buy these um, Western developers, uh, start these Western projects, and then all of the expectations to keep the company afloat or whatever just get moved over to those games. So when those games fail to meet expectations, they say, well, those games failed to meet expectations, despite the fact that they sold six million copies of that first Tomb Raider reboot. And it's like, yeah, because all the expectations are just being shifted over from these vanity projects. Yeah, exactly. So it's so strange. It is super, super strange. Going back real quick, and then we can move on uh, to something else. I think the the um, the dev cycle of thirteen was so you know like not stressful. Is because like you know if you opened up like the Unreal thing right now, you can just build a corridor and move from one into the other like pretty quickly. So I sure. think like you know I think it was just that, but like a bunch. So it was pretty easy you know, to build that game. You know what I mean? Right. Cause it's just a big straight line. Yeah. Where it's you just never like a straight turn, line, you, never you know, when there's right, nothing yeah. else going on in that game. It's just like, Oh, it's a straight line. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I can draw a straight line. I'll do, I'll do it right now. Draw a straight Natalie, line. Natalie, how do you feel about that assessment of uh, 13? That it was like a more stress-free project. Uh, I, I guess. Cause like, Natalie, I was I was clowning on your video game. We're making fun. We're making fun of your video game. I could go into Unreal Engine right now and build Final Fantasy 13 because it's a room. I I build a room and then I move one lady to the end of the room. And that is that's Final Fantasy 13. I love that you think that was like hard hitting analysis, not me clowning on your game. You're like the nicest person that's ever Seriously, No, but honestly, part of why... I, I tuned out a little bit there is because I did remember because <laughs> I did I wanted to bring up that there are also rumors flying around that there will be a Final Fantasy 13 remaster um, because so there's this tweet by Twitter user Dream Boom that's B O U M and basically it says the Steam DB depot of Final Fantasy 13 has a branch created 10 months ago that says for Virtuous Virtuous made the remaster of Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy XII. Oh, 
So okay. as far as I know, Virtuos didn't make the PC port of Final Fantasy 13, so Square gave them access to the PC code. And I think that means a remaster. That's what the tweet says. So I was looking for that tweet since we were on the topic of Final Fantasy 13 <laughs> because I did remember just a few days ago... Um, what one of my friends was really freaking out because I have a close circle of friends that really likes Final Fantasy 13. That's how a lot of us got to know each other. Yeah. So uh, that excitement was really palpable, and I was like searching for that tweet. And um, there is uh, on t- reset Arab, I know, but um, that's okay. Yeah, there all, is. We all uh, have to do what we got to do. Right? Yeah, and uh, there are words and posts on there about something quote unquote along with another smaller unannounced square enix thing uh quote is part of the final fantasy 16 rumors so people are thinking that it might be the final fantasy 13 remaster so we might be seeing that too like we might be seeing a lot of and that would sort of match up with Square Enix's recent history of just remastering older Final Fantasy titles like yeah. 10 and 12 that they they can do relatively easily compared to like out of Final Fantasy 6 you'd have to remake that that wouldn't be a remaster oh, yeah, that would have to be a remake yeah. so it it seems to follow like it, it would follow suit if that was the case and yeah, yeah so I I was I wanted to bring that up. But anyway, stand Final Fantasy 13, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the time you're listening to this, uh, you probably know what's been announced for, for PlayStation 5. And maybe there are no RPGs. Maybe Final Fantasy 16 is still a distant dream in the uh, twinkle of Shinji Hashimoto's eyes. <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be real. They've already announced it by pe- the time people are hearing this. And it looks exactly like that gritty first person shooter reboot of Mega Man that Capcom was going to do oh like 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. That's my prediction. Putting money All down right. on that right now. OK, go to your go. bookie. Um, Steven, we were we were supposed to talk about Wasteland 3 last week. And instead, we talked for the full hour. Yeah. Uh, of uh, Crusader King with uh, Crusader <laughs> Kings 3, which was a delight. And I'm really glad we did that. But. Um, I did want to hear about Wasteland 3 because I, you know, I haven't played this game yet. I've only watched some playthroughs, but it's definitely something that's on my radar in terms of something that's going to scratch some itches. So I'm curious if it scratches those itches. So I think it, it, it that is exactly the game that it is. It is, it is a game that scratches the exact itch, which I think is the niche that uh, In Exile Entertainment, the developer, has basically carved out for itself right now. It's just... Basically, they um, I mean, this is the developer that made uh, Wasteland 2, which was the follow up to the ancient, ancient video game Wasteland, which is the the predecessor to your Fallout games. So it's in that start of DNA. But this is um, an alternate evolution of that franchise where instead of getting Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas and on so on and so forth in the 3D space, what if they just kept making Fallout games in the style of uh, Fallout 1 and 2, which is top-down isometric uh, right. games? Yeah. And uh, in Exile, in addition to Wasteland 2, is also the studio that kickstarted and put out a game that I did not love. I thought <laughs> it was okay, uh, but it certainly did not live up to its lofty, lofty inspiration, which is um, uh, Torment, colon, Tides of Numenera was the name of the game, which was a meant to be a spiritual successor to Planescape Torment. Um, I also did not love this game, by the way. Yeah, did I, you beat it? No, 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 I didn't beat it. I, I okay. bounced pretty hard off of it. I did not get, I didn't really get, it didn't grab me. I'll right. say that. 
Um, it had some cool ideas and did some similar stuff, but it, yeah, yeah it is not, it does not have that same sort of like level of verve and, um, just energy that I think Planescape Torment did, despite the fact that that's exactly what it was trying to recapture. Um, Wasteland 3, I think probably does a better job of replicating what it is going for at the same time. It does still feel to me like a fairly sterile kind of wasteland. Uh, It's a weird, hmm, it's a weird argument because on the one hand, I would say that in the hands of Bethesda over time, the fallout (laughs) universe has gotten farther and farther away from understanding like what makes that world good and interesting. Yeah. Um, Sort of. uh, Right. I think a lot of people would at this point, especially like starting with four, especially, and then Fallout 76 oh just my gosh. going full on. Well, when you look at when you look at, at the kind of Fallout games that are built in that engine, the only one that even came close to uh, to kind of getting close to that feeling what wasn't made by Bethesda. So right, like, right, right. Um, yeah, like that. I would definitely agree with your assessment there. At least, and that's mostly on the whole. I would say even Fallout seventy six has some good stuff in the in the side stuff. That whole subplot they have in there about like the um, worker strike in West Virginia uh, sure. is actually very good. And the community stuff that they got again yeah. is is buck wild. But it's like that's you know that's less about world building and more about just kind of emergent uh, storytelling. But yeah, totally. And in the the. Uh, going to keep referencing Fallout 76 here, but it's going to be relevant here in a second. You'll see why, which is, I would say 76 has some really good creature design in a lot of ways yeah. too, where they've like added the Mothman and those big giant blob creatures and some of that stuff. Like, I don't think the early game does that game justice because it's mostly just you fighting the Scorched, which are just zombies with guns. Yeah, right. Um, that kind of suck. And, um, but eventually you play enough of that game and you eventually do find some like way more interesting stuff out in the wasteland. And in Wasteland 3, I also know that there is some stuff that gets more interesting, but early on, it is, it feels like a post-apocalypse game that, um, born out of the era of, like, the postman, like, mid-90s, early 2000s visions of the post-apocalypse, if that makes sense to you, where it's just, like, it's the post-apocalypse, but, like, with none of the, like, unrefined id of like a Mad Max. I think, you know, Fallout obviously pulls incredibly, incredibly deeply from, uh, from the Mad Max universe and the Mad Max universe. And it only became more and more prevalent as those movies, uh, wore on up until Fury Road is basically like in the future, they're like basically everybody has become or or large sections of society have just become unrestrained id with no like nothing to hold them back no inhibitions no nothing right. so it's just like screaming and music and jumping and painting yourself and um you know getting naked and jumping onto cars and blowing up shit and building a weird like super vehicle and stuff like that and fallout kind of took that and then did its own spin on it and wasteland feels way more subdued it feels like way more like well nuclear bombs fell on the earth and destroyed a lot of society and now we're the survivors and it just kind of starts from there and yeah there are more interesting stuff that uh, there is more interesting stuff that i haven't gotten to yet that is pulling from its very specific 80s and early 90s specific um type vibes Uh uh there i am told that there I've not found it, but I'm told that there is a giant statue of Ronald Reagan in this game mm. <laughs> that has cool. an AI. 
It has an AI inside of it that thinks it is Ronald Reagan. What is with gaming's um, obsession with Ronald Reagan this year? Well, at least in the in the case of Call of Duty, I would say it's they're more celebratory of Ronald Reagan. In this sure, case, sure. the Ronald Reagan statue is a it is home to a uh, crazy AI that okay. thinks it is Ronald Reagan and okay. passes passes judgment on people uh, with a pair of laser eyes uh, okay. that it executes um, prisoners with and sure. has a weird cult of um, people and then takes like women as it's like wives, like human women as like it's wives that it sure. names Nancy. Okay, so uh, so far you've you've only described Ronald Reagan IRL to me, right? So, yeah. so so it's so it's an AI that is just Ronald Reagan. Okay, I got gotcha. you exactly right. Okay. Totally, um, it's Fuck really Ronald hard on Reagan. drugs. You know these games, these wasteland games always have drugs. Super hard on drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but um, overall. Unlike, the, does the AI have the voice of Ronald Reagan or is it just like a totally disembodied different voice? I don't know. I've only been told about this Ronald Reagan oh, statue. Okay, I've not gotten right, to right. it. Sorry, no. sorry, sorry. Yeah, you did say you hadn't gotten to it yet. Right. Uh, mostly what I've seen is very much 90s and early 2000s video game, top down isometric video game shit okay. is what I would describe it as. Sure. It is you go to the first major town that you get into. Uh, it is centralized around a brothel because every video game, every <laughs> RPG, okay. every Western RPG of this era has a brothel in it. Sure. Um, and every video game that has ever been made since has had one. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called like Little Vegas. It's like a fake uh, New Vegas or a fake Las Vegas, I guess, um, that you go into and you go around and you click on things that say ammo box and loot crate or whatever and you pick it up and there's junk inside and you sell there's it there's a funko pop bullets. inside this loot crate well oh, you wow. you say that it. you say that john uh it does have um the like bobblehead style equivalent thing except in this case it's called creepy dolls um and right. they're just these creepy dolls that you pick up and collect and they just give you permanent stat bonuses like the bobbleheads in wouldn't uh, the been, earlier wouldn't have been fucking cool if they had licensed brats to be like oh my god like the well, thing that you pick up in this yeah it, <laughs> like because well, it's dolls the ultimate currency <laughs> well it's weird because there is a lot of just like there are a lot of references and like just outright um mentions it like by name of real world like things that would have existed around the time that the world ended there is a part in the game where you you start off the game and you get into this base uh the the basic premise is that after the events of fallout 2 your group the rangers is just kind wasteland of wasteland 2 wasteland 2 did i say okay. fallout 2 <laughs> yeah you did <laughs> of course um in I was Wasteland- just like, well that's bold making a making a different game that takes place after a totally different game. It's like after Breath of the Wild, Mario came to Hyrule. It's like, whoa. Anyway, sorry. He Isn't a that what the All-Stars collection is? Like, <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, no Galaxy 2, but they did put Wasteland 3 in this one. It's wild. <laughs> um yeah, so you you get this. Uh, you you are a group of sort of wandering do-gooders called the Rangers. At the end of Wasteland Two, the game sets up that I, d- I never played Wasteland Two, uh, but the game basically sets up that you be- your team had to nuke its own base because it was uh, infested with an evil AI called the Cochise AI, um, and some major character had to sacrifice themselves to save everyone. And so you're on the road, you're on the run, looking for a new home. You get a message from a guy called the Patriarch who 
supposedly runs Colorado to the north. Uh, the previous game took place in Arizona. And he's like, hey, come up here. Uh, you help me deal with my problems. I've got some problems uh, with my kids up here. You help me deal with them, and I'll give you a new base and a new pl- place to call home and resources and, and recruits and stuff like that. And right off the, ba- the bat, this fucking patriarch dude is shady as fuck and is only seeming more and more shady as I play. <laughs> it's so weird. A guy that would that would let people call him the patriarch would right. be weird, huh? Yeah. Not only let uh, that that motherfucker fucking makes them call him the patriarch. No, <laughs> nobody ever got called the patriarch and then was like, yes, I'll allow you to do that. They were like, no, you call me the patriarch. <laughs> yeah, the patriarch seems cool, but he asked me about making some sort of vow within five minutes of meeting him. I'm a yeah, little scared uh-huh. about this guy. All right. You get there, uh, you're ambushed on uh, Frozen Lake because this game, unlike a lot of uh, post-apocalypse games, takes place in a frozen sort of area in the, in Colorado in the winter. Uh, you get ambushed on this lake. Most of your team gets killed except for two people who you get to pick at the start of the game. You can make um, custom characters if you want, or you can pick between like uh, these... I think there's like five or six preset pairs. Uh, I ended up picking the pair that it's like one of the first pairs that you can pick, which is this uh, pair of like gay punk lovers who um, escaped from a cult and like killed their way out of a cult and then joined the Rangers uh, to find a new home kind of basically. Okay. Um, one of them is like a, they all have backstories. All the, all the pre-made ones have backstories and yeah, that's the, basically theirs. And, uh, one of them is like a massive frontline bruiser. One has like animal whispering capabilities, which is one of the skills you can get in this game. Um, and then you recruit either unnamed randomly generated characters in the style of a lot of these games, or there are certain characters with names and, you know, preset stats and stuff that add right. unique dialogue that you can also get. In fact, to get a full squad of six for the tactical turn based stuff, you need at least two named characters in your squad. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then it's that it's, it's, it's a lot of, you go from area to area, you go from throughout your base, you, you know, you do, uh, do you have level six hacking? Well, you can open this computer and turn off this gate. Do you have level four lock picking? Well, you can open this door and go into this area with this, these crates and it's got junk and ammo and all that stuff. It yeah. is very, very, very much like those old fallout games and, yeah. you know. Uh, that is what time, an exile does now. Are there, are there time constraints in this at all or like survival mechanics or is it pretty much just like RPG isometric, isometric RPG kind of stuff there? It, it kind of splits the difference. It was unclear to me at first. It's actually one of my, my issues with the game. Cause it turns out what you want to do with this game, uh, PSA for anybody who's playing wasteland three, you yeah. really want to fucking just min max every single character into very specific skills. Roles, right. Um, because, there are the game does not tell you basically at the front it's it makes kind of a deal of like ammo is rare in the wasteland but it's not that rare uh you can just buy that shit and i wasn't clear to me at first like what what i should be doing if i should be building these characters oh i thought ah i have two people out of my squad so i'll have like one be a gun person and one be a melee person and wasn't until like two hours later that I realized actually you'll have six people and you want to have one that's good with computers, one that's good with um, big guns, one that's like a monk basically and uses fist weapons. You want one that can repair robots, you know, all that stuff. So if you were in a group like this. What role would you have? 
Mm, I would probably I usually when I'm playing these games, I always go for any of the, the energy weapons slash like hack computers and robots type shit. Got yeah. It. Uh, and in real life, what role do you think you would have? I think that oh, oh would I have or would I choose to try and get like like based okay. on my existing let's, skills? Let's, yeah, let's just let's just think that like, you know, skills are scarce. You know, uh your your whole uh just everything is just kind of scarce. Like wh- what role do you think you would fall into kind of in this group? Like what would um, you do? Corpse probably is kind of I my. Mean, that was kind of what I was leaning towards. Yeah, not for you. I was like, me. is there one with one brain cell? Because I feel like I would be that person. Is there sure? Are there bards in this game? Because I just be what? like, yeah, I, I actually, like, don't know. Yeah, fuck up. Hey, fuck them up. Fuck yeah. yeah. No, there's literally no. yeah. There is there's a skill called leadership, and it has a bunch of perks that unlock abilities where you can. Um, Basically, I've unlocked a, an ability on one character that is kind of like this. Uh, he's got uh, I've min maxed him into two different kind of zones, which are one is called weird science, which is like your ability to use unconventional weapons. Like I get a, I got a weapon early on the game called like a frozen ferret launcher or a frozen weasel launcher that the only ammo it takes is frozen weasels. Jordan just made a really dumb joke. I'm sorry. Literal. <laughs> Jordan just said you make women out of computers because you make it's a weird science. <laughs> yeah, you make women out of computers. They're also genies. You turn your brother into poop. That's the weirdest science. Um, <laughs> God, weird science is a weird movie. That has not aged well, by no, the way. Not oh, at all. Wow. Wowzers. All right, anyway. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, um, so he's focused on weird science, but also on leadership. And uh, what leadership does passively is anybody standing near him just gets better. Like, they... Uh, hit more often it's it's XCOM-esque like tactical turn-based combat and uh you they have better hit chances they have like higher evade rates they have better crits stuff like that so and then down that uh path he can also because he's weird science and so ammo is kind of limited for him because he's using a lot of weird shit that i'm not like just able to restock at the nearest town um i've given him a bunch of abilities where he can just like basically and this actually does tie back to planescape torment weirdly enough uh he's got like a move where he can just insult people and they just get worse. Like they will just be, they will, oh, it's like called that. demoralize. Hell yeah. <laughs> and, that would be me then. That's me. There you go. There's just it. no fucking scruples about telling somebody that yeah. they fucking suck ass. <laughs> Listen, you might be filling my friends with bullets, but you ugly. Uh huh. <laughs> it's just like, whoa. Wow. No, but that's the, so what demoralize does is it makes them actually less accurate. So they don't fill your friends with full of bullets, which is great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. When, does, when did the world end in this game? Like, what year? <sighs> I'm sure that has been said at some point. It's. I mean, if there's least, a Reagan statue, it's got to be in the 80s or 90s, right? I think it's a Fallout type situation where the where the future went down a slightly different path on some stuff. Okay. Um, because uh, the patriarch, I believe, was born in 2028. I think the game takes place oh. in like 2105 or some some thereabouts. Okay. Whoa, sexism started in 2028. 
Yeah, sexism yeah. finally started, you know? Uh, no, this guy, I'm fucking trust this guy one bit. I'm going to fucking betray him the second I get a chance, let me tell you. Uh, I'm going to get my base together. I've got a cool truck. That it, This does the thing that was, I think, modded into Fallout 3 eventually, but that a lot of people thought, like, uh, it was a it was one of those style of things of, like, ah, oh, you can make Lara Croft naked type things. It's like, ah, secretly there's a way to get a car in Fallout 3 to drive around the wasteland, because um, that was also a thing in Fallout 2. This game from the jump you get a like a battle truck that you can just drive across the world map and move from encounter to encounter um, and that's actually where some of the to, to circle all the way back to your original point John it does introduce some of the survival stuff um, because there are random encounters that like much like in Fallout 2 and Fallout 1 I think as well it, when you're on the overworld map you can just get dragged into random encounters um, and there's a stat called like survival that allows you to uh, skip those encounters if you wish. There's also a concept of, and I wasn't sure how punishing, and th- this is why I got on this tangent in the first place. I wasn't sure how punishing it was going to be because if a unit goes down, you have four turns to bring, like to send another unit over to them and bring them back up. Okay. If, if you do that, they wake up with like a, an injury, and until you go see a doctor or use a special uh, consumable item, they just have like, ah, this person has a 15% chance to miss now permanently okay. or, and, or they, they have they one have a, fewer action point because they have a point. boo-boo, they have a boo-boo, they have a boo-boo. Okay. <laughs> and the more boo-boos they accrue, the uh, quicker they die in uh, uh, when they get downed. Um, and so you need to be faster mm-hmm. and faster to, to do that. Um, but excuse me. Bless Bless you. you. Sorry. Um, I was getting so worked up about Wasteland 3 and Medic. Um, I just had to let it out. Early on, so you have a base that you can return to. You can drive the truck back to. um, And early on, one of the first objectives that you get is like, hey, you need to consolidate your power here. So you go into the world and recruit people to man your garage, your brig, your medical bay, your armory, all this stuff. And one of the first people I got was a doctor and he'll just like heal everybody to full health and remove all of their negative quirks for free at all times. So that seems like a good person to have. They seem pretty damn useful. Yeah. Um, But I think the idea is that basically as you go farther and farther away from that home base, the attrition starts to get back onto you. So you have to like start to make decisions about how far am I going to go unless I want to just go back to base or am I going to burn a bunch of consumables to treat these wounds out here in the field um, or not and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just kind of it's that it's it's. I haven't played enough of it. I get, like I said, to get to some of the truly weird shit. I sure. I don't know that I love the tone just because it is a little plain sometimes. And some of the, um, it's tough. Post-apocalypse is tough because one, we're living in it. So it's, <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> it's hard. That's challenging, right? By that's itself. challenging. Um, but I also it's like, it's you either, you either go so far into the kind of like, cynical satire that like you're kind of like oh boy like the outer worlds and the the later followed games right it's either exhausting or boring like i'm waiting for someone to really or it feels like you're making light of the real problems totally exactly really i think it's a it's a tough 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 line to straddle so and i don't think this game goes hard in any particular direction there's like 
there there are some it's it's weird because there are a lot of um i would say in the very corporate version of the word it's a, it's a very inclusive game because you know there's lots of different characters of different you know sexualities and genders and races and all this other stuff um all throughout the game like and in fact like one of the first major factions you encounter and uh you have a, a quest to go deal with and like this is just not a thing i see in games like this a lot and it's not treated for laughs most of the game isn't treated for laughs which is i think why it comes off kind of dour sometimes uh mm-hmm. and then you just have these weird like here's a weasel launcher um, kind of in the periphery. Um, yeah, there's a disconnect there. There is a little bit of a disconnect, yeah. Um, but one of the first major factions you encounter is like, uh, that I don't really like see in a lot of video games is like this uh, trucking company called like the Arafaho Machines or something like that, which an Arafaho is, or the, the uh, uh, it's a existing, it's like a still around a tribe of Native Americans. And in this universe, they survived the bombs falling and have become like the premier like trucking company, like uh, family uh, in the wasteland in Colorado and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. But then also you go to the brothel and there's like an extended joke about how one of the brothel options is a goat and you can go have sex with a goat if you want. Oh, come mm. on now. Come on. Mm. Yeah. Don't don't like that. Don't need that. No. no. And it just it, so it's weird because it feels like it fell it both fell out of a different time like like it feels like early, you know, early western RPG stuff. You know, yeah. Jade Empire is an earlier BioWare game that has like an a brothel and an extended bestiality joke in it too. And at the same time, it feels like a lot of those same people who were writing stuff like that 20 to 25 to 30 years ago are have seen the way that the world has changed and have tried to incorporate it, but also are still writing that style of game. Yeah. There's like, we're still the, you know, we're, we've learned, but Hey, goat question mark, you know? Yeah. Is this funny? Is this a joke? Is this funny? Yeah. And it's not, that's the thing is it's it's not not a joke. The weasel (laughs) launcher is not a joke. Like they're not, they're, they're not, bits so that they're like they're not they're, bits. It's just yeah. they're funny things that there there's things that you think are funny to put in there but there's no setup there's no punchline it's not really yeah. a a joke in that way and, and it feels old because that just feels like how, how a lot of that other stuff did at the it's same just, time it, it's you bad want, things that people shout at the cafeteria table like right. that's just that's yeah. it <laughs> What if you yeah. fucked a goat? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Right. With, hey, well, yeah, you with, had a brothel. What if you also fucked a goat? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Because with such serious stories, like, one, like a, this just reminds me of Final Fantasy thirteen since we discussed it, like, a few, you know, like, 30 minutes ago. But, like, with there's stories that are... There's a lot of goat are, fucking in Final Fantasy thirteen. Yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of goat fucking in there. It's yes, really uncomfortable. Um, but there's always the... The concern with really serious, dark stories that they are, they take themselves too seriously. And so mm. I think there's the temptation to then insert inject humor. Hum- yeah, inject humor. But a lot of the time, like with Wastelands 3, from what it seems, it just, it rather, it, it hinders it more. I would rather a story that goes all in into the darkness and the grimness and yeah. the seriousness and the levity of this than have sort of, humor injected to avoid sort of that that criticism which then 
rather than humor, it just feels like it adds a disconnect and only worsens it for me. Yeah, um, it's definitely not my type of humor from what I am hearing yeah. from you. No, and there are there are things that aren't aren't jokes that aren't funny but are still charming that I actually do like. Like because I have the animal whisperer ability on one of my uh, starting guys, I can just any animal I encounter in the world, I can just recruit them to my side and they'll just fight for me almost like Shit. a extra unit. And one of the first you get is a uh, cat that wears a big cowboy hat named Major Tomcat. Um, and there is like at one point I went to this like where they were growing a bunch of food in the you know frozen wastes with these like um, solar panel type things. And there's just a cyborg chicken there. And like your character's like, we have no idea why this <laughs> like chicken has cybernetic enhancements, but we can have it follow us if we want. And so I've just in my party right now, I have this cyborg chicken who's just like armored up to shit but also it's still a chicken so it doesn't do much damage but it's, oh, it is basically cute. a weird tank oh my god <laughs> i uh, like that that's good yeah like st- little little charming bits like that are actually really good it's it's the extended it's the writing around some of the the, the jokes that doesn't always land um and then but then the the overarching writing of like the world and stuff like that is fine it's it this doesn't stand out necessarily either yeah um but yeah, that's, I mean, that's Wasteland 3. I actually am enjoying it, I should say, too. I'm, I'm down on the writings, uh, you know, some of the some of the tone and humor and stuff like that. But overall, uh, I think in that style of game, if that is what you are looking for, it scratches that itch exactly. And it doesn't really yeah. shoot its sights higher than doing that. Well, that's, I don't know. That's enough for uh, most games. A lot I play. of the time, that's so, enough. Yeah, sometimes yeah. all you need sometimes is Sometimes it's like, enough. Exactly. Sometimes yeah, you enough. just need that itch scratched and it feels good when you finally got that scratch and like okay i can move on to other things and and it's not super long my understanding is like 20 to 30 hours as opposed to like a you know 100 hours hours or something like that it's not divinity original divinity original sin (laughs) 2 right um so yeah no i I, it's also on game pass so if you you think it's something worth checking out um for some of that stuff it's definitely easy for a lot of people yeah game pass yeah, listen. I don't, need so to, I don't need. I don't need. I don't need to say it again. But Game yeah. Pass is great. I don't know how many times in the last few days I've heard friends be like, "Oh, this thing's on Game Pass. I'll just get Game Pass. Just download it." That. Yeah, right. It's like, oh well, yeah. I need. Um. Well, okay. should we wrap? We have. We you know, I've I've lunch to eat before Sony tells me everything that's gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, I got some articles uh, to post. I would like yeah. to do. Um, just want to remind everyone that um, my uh, mom's best friend's grandma works at Square Enix. Final Fantasy 16 is just going to be gay. That's, oh, that's is that breaking news? Can you break that for us? Is that uh, just breaking? Yeah, just it just, everyone's going to be gay. There's going to be no heteros. Sure. So, okay, great. So no, fucking works for me. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm just writing my notes for the article. So no yep. more straights. No, Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy said the last, that was the okay. final hetero game. Yeah. Final hetero. Okay. This is I mean, to be gay. It's one final place where Wasteland hetero. 3 has a leg up on Square Enix is one of the first characters, uh, pairs that you can pick is just a pair of gay punk lovers who uh, fight across the wasteland together. Uh, I must now, bang with, Vanille. Now, with this new frontier of no, no more straights, are they going to apply that to the old games as well and like remasters, you think? Hmm, I can't really say. I, I just know that yet. the future okay, of right. Final Fantasy, it's gay. Okay. 
right yeah. you're under embargo just, about the specifics but yeah 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 i'll uh, i'll have some follow-up questions with you after this but i'm just making some notes got it got it yeah just in case because um, apparently like people tend to get quotes from podcasts a lot lately that, that's all true yeah we're <laughs> i wish it was true shit up. <laughs> i wish it was true i'm just oh, posting uh, natalie please do me a favor and just tell us right now that you've heard that uh, that sony's <laughs> only shipping five units of the playstation 5 <laughs> <laughs> And we'll print it. We'll just say, you know what? They were only doing five. Oh, wow. So it's going to be a real mad dash for, for five of those bad boys. Oh, sorry. Um, um, they've already been claimed by scalpers. They're already up for pre-order on eBay. It. <laughs> um, okay. So, Stephen, where can we find you online? That would be Stephen Strom on Twitter, at Stephen Strom, rather. Amazing. Uh, how was your birthday, by the way? Uh, it was all right. Uh, I worked through most of it and okay. uh, got some stuff done. <laughs> that was That's nice. Right. <laughs> well, didn't some, you have uh, a day off on your birthday? Uh, my, bir- my I took a day off the day before my birthday. Oh, the day before. Some I got people it, got take it, yeah. their days the days off. I, f- I I don't know. I can't. I don't. I I need to be busy on my birthday. I don't know why, but mm. that's just me. My wife is someone that's like not only a day off. It's like I'm taking the week off. You know that kind of right. person. So I I, I mean, kind of get both fuck. sides of it. I got a, I got a lot of time off. I need to take over because I don't think yeah, ours rolls do. over. <laughs> uh, rolls over for a long time. Oh, does it? Yeah, uh, some uh, the lady that's been here for ten years uh, now has to spend it because it 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 is now stopped accruing. Oh my god! So, okay, which is very <laughs> funny. Um. Anyway, uh, Natalie, where can we find you online? I am on Twitter at Hardimicia. That's hard I M E C I A, and I'm probably talking about Final Fantasy or Yennefer Yo. and some other stuff sometimes. Love you, man. Hey, if. Monster Hunter World can have a Witcher crossover. Why can't Final Fantasy have a Witcher crossover and bring Yen in? You know, no. that's what I'm saying. Oh my God, Yen has a summon. Yes, Love fuck that for her. Incredible. She just kills every male enemy. <laughs> that's that's what happens to this, all the straight characters. Actually, is that's, that that's uh, how it happened. Yeah, that's how it happened. <laughs> she summons um, meteor, uh, <laughs> except it's queer to <laughs> Yeah, meteor, meteor. Meteor. You should look up that one. Sean is hip with the TikTok. 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 That was instant karma. TikTok. That was instant karma for me. Just we're ignoring that. Oh, this is coming off the rails. We're so tired. Anyway, you can also find me at Floppy Adult. Jordan Mallory is our wonderful producer. You can find him at Jordan underscore Mallory. Always stitching up our podcast, making them sound great. Muting dryer buzzers going off, for example. Like, you know, just. Yes. I don't know why I I don't know why I said that. It could be anything. But like if a dryer buzzer went off and during this episode, listen, Jordan would basically take care of it so that you wouldn't hear it. I'm sorry. I I haven't had an in unit washer dryer in my apartment ever in my life. But I decided to drag (laughs) one dryer up just one time for one podcast (laughs) right before it started. And now I catch all this shit. I don't understand what's going on. It's fine. I have to tell my mom explicitly before. (laughs) Yeah, I have to tell my mom explicitly before recording. Like, please don't use the vacuum. (laughs) 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 You can do Um, it once I emerge out of the cave, but just do not use it for the next <laughs> at least hour and she has to be like okay okay I understand. <laughs> that's amazing um you can find fanbite at fanbite media on twitter you can also find us uh at like uh, f- uh facebook i guess jesus i mean just don't use Facebook. grim 
but you can also find us there. Uh, you can technically find us at Instagram. We're actually taking a break from Instagram. I think we're in kind of an algorithm hill, so we're trying to figure out what to do with our Instagram. But if you want to check out our stuff, uh, it is also there. Um, check out all of our podcasts at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Um, you're going to want to, if you're listening to this on a Wednesday, uh, on the day it came out, which is today, Wednesday, or tomorrow morning, you're going to want to keep an eye on that <laughs> fanbyte.com slash podcast page because it's going to change at roughly 7 p.m. Pacific tomorrow, Thursday. Oh. So, uh, yeah, we've got a big announcement coming. A new show is joining the the network uh, that I could not be more excited about. Uh, and it's, it's pretty big news, so I'm pretty excited about that uh, development. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but until next time, your RPG pals are here saying goodbye and we're here at the brothel wasteland three and we're just we're gonna kick back a cold one cold yes. potion uh and not take the not take these weirdos up on their goat offer because that's no. gross that's and pretty, we're gonna, that's, we're gonna that's pop bad. the top on this thing and we're gonna give it a big <laughs>